0: If you're taking a day off and listening to your favorite podcast while you tool around Chicago, why don't you check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store? If you're an Android user, it's a great app to use. Check it out on the Google Play Store. Read some of the thousands and thousands of great reviews that tell you all the wonderful things about it. And then when you're having your day off... You can listen to podcasts on a brand new podcast app, the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Oxcord cord holder tested, driver approved. I assume also Bluetooth? Yeah, I know, but like... <laughs> <laughs> Head on over to patreon.com slash dissect in the 80s, and in just a few days, you'll get our newest bonus episode. That is about the 1982 classic The Thing to go along with our whole month of Russell... Kurt damn it. <laughs> <laughs> to go along with our whole month of Kurt Russell movies, Russellmania. We're doing Kurt Russell all month long both on the main feed and on the Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com/dicegn the 80s and check it out. Welcome to dissecting the '80s. I am the birthday boy, Trip Leno, <laughs> one half of the mega podcasting powers, and with me, as always, is the previous birthday boy, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew. Andrew Leno, how's it feel to be old? Oh, I've been old for a long time, son. This is not even a banner year. This is 34. It's like a. It's like a. <laughs> uh, it's a shrug. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a shrug. It's an, oh yeah, it's your um, birthday. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I've I've marked another year of existence, I suppose. Uh,
1: (laughs) How old are you? I was kind of excited for
0: thirty-three. Thirty-three is like the Jesus year people talk about. Like that's oh, uh, I haven't heard that. As like you do a thing, like you know, you know, uh, you know, thirty is a big one. Thirty-three, I was like making jokes about. (laughs) Thirty, I thirty is. uh, You've heard me say this before, but every time a friend of mine that turns thirty, I send them a bereavement card for their youth. So that's my that's my little thing. My friend did that. Uh, well,
1: for their th- for their thirtieth birthday, they threw a funeral for their for their youth. So yeah, every- I had a- everyone came in black, and they had a little grave cake. It was real cute.
0: I had a a Viking funeral for my youth. I had everybody, I made a little ship out of cardboard and I painted it. And then I had everybody write on post-it notes, like things you should stop doing now that you're 30, you know, like various, you know, pieces of advice. And I read them all off and then we set it on fire. It was very fun. That's fun. Yeah. So anyway, 34, not very exciting, but favorites brewery, which we are concluding here with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Very exciting. I'm
1: already into this. Like I'm excited for next year. Oh, yeah. It's so so (laughs) nice to be like, oh, I'm guaranteed to
0: have a month of (laughs) solid movies, especially coming off of Christmas where things can get dicey. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And January can be tough, too, especially with the anniversaries. But yeah, no, this is uh, one of my all time favorites. And we watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your high school escapist fantasy! Something's got to be about your high school escapist fantasy!
2: When the Mega Powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s, oh yeah. Great Scott! Cream of the crop! Oh, 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 Oh yeah. Mega Powers, yeah! When this baby hits eighty-eight miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit.
1: Would you? So you would still consider this today, like as a recording day, that like this is one of
0: your top favorite movies? This is a movie I think that has universal appeal, and I I, I have some like bigger concepts I want to talk about with this movie, which Me which too. I'm excited to dig into with you. But we've talked a lot on the show about how a decent portion of what we do is going back and ruining things that we liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you watch them with fresher eyes and you're like, Oh no. And another thing that you can do, and it's like completely valid to do. And I feel that a lot of folks struggle with this and I'm not subtweeting a specific fan base. And like, I want to get that out of the way. Like so this is, if you want to hear my thoughts on whatever fan base you can tweet at dissect the eighties, and I will be frank with you and tell you, but I'm not, this is not directed at any one group of people it's okay to have something be really important to you and outgrow it and still remember it fondly for the way that it shaped you as a person, but no longer get anything out of it. Yeah. And I was, a, af- I was afraid for a long time that that would happen to me with this movie. And so I intentionally hadn't watched it in 10 plus years where I like made a point of watching it. Yeah. And then over the summer I, I was at uh mom and dad's after doing some, you know, like was, quarantine was and get beach. together. It was a beach. Yeah. Day. Yeah. And it was on and I watched it and I was like, kind of like biting my nails through like the first 10 minutes of it. And then very quickly, it's like, there are some valid criticisms of this, of this movie, but, But mostly, it's it's not what I was afraid of was, and I there's a few movies that I you know really love that I have like I I say this all the time like I've never gone back to say I haven't gone back to say anything since I was in high school because it was really important to me then and I'm afraid that if I I watch it and I ruin it
1: for you in high school
0: I love that movie like that movie really resonated with me and as it's like especially for a, a sort of dorky person who did not understand how to talk to women or girls at the time, like the, the like nice sweet boy got a cute girl and has this kind pleasant of, relationship. He's kind of the like predecessor to a Ted Mosby. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's why I've been afraid to go back to it. Cause like I, Ted Mosby, I want to throw off a bridge and I'm like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to feel like I want to throw a Lloyd Dobler off a bridge. So this is another movie, of the same ilk where I, you know, it, it meant a lot to me. The I asked you where you first came to it, and I'm interested to hear that again, although I think it's the same story as me, which is that I was in elementary school and I was taking a sick day, and mom had this sort of like, my, my memory of it is like almost conspiratorial, that it was like, ooh, I got something for you to watch. And we put this on and it was just like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And at the time I wasn't in high school, so I didn't even have that layer on it. But yeah. it became a thing where every time I was homesick, which was not a insignificant number of days. I was uh, often had an ear infection or whatever. And I was home from school not feeling well. And I watched this movie all the time. There, there was a point in my life where I could do this movie A to Z, like not without the movie on, but if the movie was on, I could do every line, okay. every character, every line. Obviously that is not the case anymore. <laughs> although there are still some great lines in this movie, but it, it meant so much to me. And, and I, I think this extends to you to some degree too, of like, a not insignificant part of my personality has to be shaped by this movie. And I don't it's not like, oh, I intentionally took this thing from this movie and based my life around it. But the Ferris Bueller ideals of most of the rules aren't really real. Figure out which ones are important and ignore the rest of them is I think a great philosophy for life. Period. And yes, it's cliché and the kind of thing that you can buy on a bath towel. Life moves pretty fast if you don't stop yeah. and look around once in a while. You could miss it. That's true. That's that's actually true. And it's not it's not preachy or philosophical in a way that's deeper than it is. It's just a statement of facts. Like you have to figure out the best ways to enjoy it while you're here because you only get one shot at this is I think really, really great. And it's, it's weird because we talk a lot about movies that are written by adults and put words in the mouth of younger people. And it's like, Oh God, right? Like that happens all the time. Yeah. And in this movie, it's definitely an older person putting wisdom in the mouth of somebody who's young, but in this particular instance because i think that piece of advice is so general like I, I don't think there's a person on earth who can't can't hear that message at age 10 you know yeah regardless of your what you want to do with your life and what you have to do like i think everybody should be aware that like you got to make the most of it it's a very general platitude i don't think it's like deep and profound but it's just nice it's just a nice thing so I think it weirdly works in this movie where you have John Hughes, who's a you know man in his forties or whatever he is at the time that he's writing this, and and he puts that in the words of this high school senior, which is kind of absurd on its face, but it works here because it's it's the right time of your life to have this attitude of like carefree existence and all that. And I just, I don't know, I just think it, it really really lands. And so watching it now is like, oh, I could watch this movie again tomorrow and really like it. And now that I know it's not going to be a problem for me. It's, like, nice to know the door is just open and not one I have to, like, poke around. I talked for, like, three unbroken minutes no, there, so I'm gonna shut up and let you ref- get, get your point in. No,
1: it's I, it's funny. I, I don't quite have that same contemporary... Like, today, I don't have that same feeling about this movie. Um, I think at, maybe it's because I have anxiety or maybe just that I'm an adult, but I think I specifically said a high school escapist fantasy because... That's what this movie is. I think it doesn't really read the same once you are an adult outside of high school. I think it feels a little different because in high school, that's the time in your life where you can kind of, it doesn't feel existential dread to feel like a ship adrift because you're in high school and you know that like you can, there's, there's time and you can like go to college, you can go take classes, you can do what like trade school, there's A whole world of opportunity and if you were a ship adrift you could there's time for you to find your mooring but like at 28 29 wow i'm 29 now i forgot at 29 like feeling like a ship adrift feels like that ship in the perfect storm
0: (laughs) it's more like you're about to get sucked up the wave do you know what i mean i do know what you mean but i would say to you that like more than ever it's important that you remember the message at this heart of this movie which is like as much as you feel that existential dread, you have to be able to take the time to remember to have a fun existence while you're here. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I like. I get what you're saying. I, I, I'm not. I don't want to poo-poo it. I, like I think you're making a really good point. I'm just saying I think that message hits even harder for me as an adult because it's like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes you do just have to fake sick and go do something. But also, I
1: think it's that because this is only one. This is one day in Ferris's yeah. life. And so they have to craft and cram so much storytelling and exposition of who he is into this world. Yeah. That like, it's kind of that Larry David syndrome where like, when he split up all of his annoyances amongst four characters, they become really tolerable. But when Mm -hmm. they're all in Larry David's body on Curb Your Enthusiasm, you just want to push him in front of a train.
0: We are in the minority of feeling I this know. way. Just just the tweets are being furiously I know. twot.
1: I know they are. <laughs> um, I, I, I've i tried to watch that show. It's just it
0: makes my body hurt because it's all my whole life. Sh- I contort up. Yeah, I don't like that kind of cringe. Like the cringiest episodes of The Office and Parks and Rec, I'm like, ah, I don't need to watch this one.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I always say about why I like Parks and Rec more than The Office, because I never cringe and hate Leslie Nope. Yeah. but there are several times when I cringe and hate Michael Scott. Right. Yeah. And not, not the point of this story. anyways. Um, so because they have to cram all of that in at times, like Ferris just seems like an asshole.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm really curious to dig into this now. Uh, like,
1: and like, again, like I don't, I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I enjoy this movie. Obviously I, I would watch it again, but I think gro- it's, the, it's more of like, Oh, Ferris is kind of a bad friend he's kind of selfish and i think obviously like if this was f- i mean the failed tv show happened but like if you were to flesh this out more maybe i wouldn't have these feelings but because it turns into this like this movie feels like a disney a disney movie or a disney channel movie but it, mm-hmm. but like written for teenagers where like all the ad- all the parents are morons the your your hero kid is like unstoppable and perfect and then there's one adult who
0: just wants to na- to nail him Do you know what I mean? Like it's it like I I do. I do. I want to unpack a lot of these, but I feel that we should start progressing through the movie and unpack them as they come. Cause I, I, I completely disagree with you. Um, but I think as we hit different parts of the movie, I will find the pieces to illustrate my side and you can illustrate yours and then we'll decide the audience can decide who is right here. But I, I, at, at, my my initial response to that is like I just 100% disagree with you. I don't. I think Ferris Bueller is an asshole is an incorrect reading of this movie. But I we will get there, and maybe you'll see it differently, and yeah, maybe you'll like. The,
1: it's one of the rare instances where we have differing opinions on something. Doesn't happen often, yeah. on the show, Which is nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, never never happens.
1: Oh yeah, it, it was it was Heather's and uh, and uh, the ski movie was skiing. Yes,
0: better off dead. Better yeah. off dead. Yeah. I love there's a couple things I noticed uh, more consciously on this watch than perhaps in other times. One is I absolutely love that it's a 75 degree day. Mm-hmm. This movie is is better because, you know, that it's a 75 degree day because everybody on the it's uh, late spring.
2: Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's 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 probably April or May. It's it's probably my guess is it's probably the first nice day of the year. Yeah. At first you've come out of the winter. Anybody who lives somewhere where there's four seasons, you come out of the winter and there's just there's that first one. And the sun temperature is great. The ground is still too cold for it to be really perfect. Like you still got to have the jacket on because it's it's still cool, even though it's 75 because the, the ground hasn't warmed up yet. Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, it's here. Oh, it's oh the good. We're done with the bad part for a while, I think, and we won't have those miserable gray days for a while. So that's I love that. It's such a perfect place to start. Um, Your classic John you know,
1: Hughes rich white family house.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and this is the thing that I think I'm saying this up front, and it's basically to get this out of the way. I think a valid criticism of this movie is that ferris bueller is greatly aided by the fact that he's a white man and getting away with all this business is is greatly aided by the fact that he's a white man a cute
1: precocious white man
0: (laughs) i don't i did there is no good counter argument to that it is a correct statement Mm -hmm. i i i think that is a valid fact i also think you can totally enjoy this movie knowing that it is a fantasy of some degree and that it's okay for it to be a fantasy and and Perhaps the version of the movie is different if Ferris isn't a white guy, but I still think it's a fantasy movie. And so it could be any teenager of any race or gender and it still can be like the whole point of this is that it's like the perfect fantasy escapist day. So I think all of those criticisms are valid, but I also don't think this movie exists in the actual reality of our it planet doesn't. Earth. Much much like when we talked about James Bond, where I'm like, the only way you can enjoy this movie is if you're like, this exists We're in, in the its James own Bond world. <laughs> right. James Bond universe is not ours. <laughs> this isn't where we live. You shouldn't treat people like this. But James Bond can because he lives in James Bond world. It's on the TV box. So anyway. I think that's a valid criticism. I don't have anything to say against it. I'm just – I'm addressing it, and I'm going to just move on to talk about other things because I don't think it's a very interesting conversation for me to belabor no.
1: white it's privilege a, it's, 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 at length.
0: It's, it's, it's a correct statement. <laughs> He's, he has yeah. white privilege. Yes, yes. And yes, that's, moving you know, on. I'm a straight white male. I have it too. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just be aware of it and try not to take advantage of it in ways that are – Don't take advantage of it in ways that are harmful to other people, and try not to take advantage of it as much as you can. That said, Ferris does it to, like, steal a restaurant reservation and get in a parade. I don't think anybody is, like, adversely attacked by it. The car, I will argue. The car, okay, the car is the crux of my argument for why i think you're completely wrong that ferris is an asshole i actually was having this imaginary argument with someone <laughs> while watching the movie and so the fact that you feel that way i'm like oh man this is gonna be interesting because i, I do, have yeah. like the rebuttal I'm, I'm excited for that debate i'm, I'm very curious so uh, the other thing with a 75 degree day it's the first day of the year when you're like oh i just want to blow off everything and go and i feel that way as an adult too the well, first nice day of the year there were it was
1: always it it uh, when I used to work in an office as a as an admin, <laughs> the first nice day of the year, I like, because I would sometimes just like walk around the parking lot on my lunch break, just to move my legs. And the yeah. first nice day of the year, I was like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> I, just ru- I ruined the rest of my yeah. day because yep. I just soaked up the sun. I rolled up my shirt uh-huh. sleeves all night. I was like, I unbuttoned my shirt. I was like, this is a lovely day. I have four more hours
0: left at my (laughs) desk, three hours at my desk. Damn it. In the cold air conditioning, miserable business. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't. You got to be careful doing that. I think this happens a lot of times on this show and to the point where it's probably time to update the uh, bingo chart. But the score in this movie does so much of the lifting. And it's, I think, one of those things you don't notice until you're looking for it. But. In the opening scene, you've got this sort of like sad, almost mournful piano that's sort of selling Ferris actually being ill Mm -hmm. and his parents like, oh, you know, slugger, you're going to be okay. It's very Steel Magnolia's music. It's just like wistful. Yeah, wistful is a great, great way to put it. So they, you know, Ferris talks to the camera for the first time. He does his big plan of, you know, you're bent over moaning, wailing, you lick your palms, that stuff. Um, all, all really wonderful. I think I, I this is one of the few times where I'm just assuming everyone listening to this has seen the yeah, movie. I hope that's not that to like, the detriment. I'm sure. We've There's probably, probably done a seven of, of those movies in our time. Right. Right. If you're, if you are one of those folks who's listening to this and having never heard it, uh, I would love to hear that. But, uh, so he's faking sick and I notice. uh, in the sweep across the room shot, in the corner is a mannequin with the trench coat, the glasses and the hat, the outfit he wears to pick up Sloan later. I read that in the trivia, but I didn't see it. OK, so he does his whole big speech to camera. And, and I think this really sets up the Ferris Bueller character in a way that you can't get away with in most movies. But he basically just explains his whole deal. He's like, you know lick your palms so they're clammy it's a little childish and stupid but then so is high school and then he drops life moves pretty fast right here and j- like in 10 minutes you've gotten the whole picture of this character you know he's a little bit of a of a uh grifter is the wrong word he's he's he's, he's grift like jason he's griftish yeah but i i think it's i was i was reading quite a bit about it and and john hughes talked a lot about casting this role and he said it was really important like, Matthew Broderick so nailed the tone, which is most people playing this part, you'd be, like, Was one hand wallet. on your wallet. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think Ferris ever gets to that because no. of Matthew, McCona- or, uh, Matthew Broderick's performance. McConaughey would be a weird Ferris. Bad, that would be a bad Bueller. <laughs> that would be a bad movie, Bueller. Fast, all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned that he he needed 15-year-old Jimmy Stewart.
0: Yes, it's like, yeah, yeah, I that's guess. what this performance is. It is. It's truly 50- I don't I think Brad Broderick has his has his box that he fits in. Uh, he also let fame go to his head and killed a person. So Shortly perhaps not, not the greatest, dude. Yeah, uh, but I think at this point in the 80s, he had that boyish charm and could use it really effectively in the right role. There's this fabulous juxtaposition here where Cameron is sick in bed and Ferris is lounging by the pool and the Bermuda shorts and the tiki drink. And it's like the music changes really drastically when the shots inter- intercut, which I think is lovely. But so this is the part where I think a lot of people read this differently than I do. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe they are. But Cameron's not actually sick. That's, that was my question. Do you think Cameron is actually sick? No. No and Ferris talks later about how Cameron was constantly like his parents don't give him a lot of attention. The house is very cold, all the stuff he talks about. I think Cameron is one of those people who has whatever the self version of Munchausen's is, which is he's just desperate for attention from these cold parents who probably didn't want to have a kid and did and are like, we made a huge mistake. I don't care about this person. And so this, this, this guy doesn't have a lot going for him at home. And so he fakes sick because it gives him some attention and the attention makes him feel good is how I read it. That's a very interesting read. I didn't think about it that way. Um, because, because if he was actually sick, if he had the kind of cold, he alleges that he has at the beginning of this, he would be miserable all day. He, you couldn't get over the cold that he has and have the day that he does. It's not possible. And I think the only explanation could be that Cameron isn't actually sick. And Ferris knows just as much as he needs this day off, that his best friend needs it because his best friend is struggling. And so I actually think... Ferris's day off is as much for Cameron's benefit as his own. And well, there I, is that. Reading to me, that,
1: that's there is that reading that like it's all in Cameron's head. That some people, do. yeah, like, it's I, a lot. I,
0: I, I, I think that's a fun thing to talk about. Like, huh? I guess I could see where you get there, but I, I mean, I think that's rubbish. Yes. I, I, Fer- well, Ferris so is a real
1: person. There apparently was. I don't know if it was like an like a deleted scene or like a deleted plot thread or, or it's in the novelization or something. But apparently it was discussed that Charlie Sheen's character used to be friends with Ferris and like had a... Charlie Sheen's
0: character knows Ferris in the movie.
1: No, but like the story there, like, I don't know if it was cut or whatever, but like they were friends back in the day. And that he had a shitty home life and that Ferris didn't reach out and like help lift him up. And so now he's a drug addict and his dad is the tow truck guy that like tows the car. Like it's, and his parents were the ones that like the selling, selling their house that his mom, like it's a web of connection that like, yeah, that's too much. It's far too much. much. And that's prequelitis is what that is. Um, and so the idea is that like Ferris is so pushy with Cameron because he didn't do this kind of stuff for Charlie Sheen. Mm. And like, I read, I, I, wish I could remember the specifics, but I think it was like a deleted thread and scene or whatever that explained more. And like, thank God,
0: because the movie doesn't need that. Yeah, Um, I did a lot of research on this one, and I did not come across that anecdote. It was in the IMDb trivia, so like, do with it what you will. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it was framed. I'm not saying, yeah, I just. It was framed in the, it wasn't like some people think. It was like framed as like, originally, this was the plan for the character.
0: Interesting. I oh. meant to touch on this earlier, but I think the actual creation of this movie is kind of wild because John Hughes sold it and then the writer strike was on was like looming. Everybody knew it was around the corner. And oh. so he knocked this movie out in under a week and they shot from his original draft because they just he legally couldn't rewrite it, even though he's the director of the movie. So, oh, he, wow. So he he like hunkered down banged out this movie in a week and they got it submitted and approved just under the wire Didn't for the Didn't we do a movie where like there was a writer strike? so the, So the director who was the writer of the movie
1: was like, now in this scene, you should improvise a bit. Maybe talk
0: about Yes, uh, we just did it recently, and I can't recall which movie it was. But this is that people are often creative about ways to get around stuff like this. I believe that's also the reason why Shane Black is in Predator.
1: We talked about that because they
0: wanted yeah. him to. No,
1: I don't think that was that. They just wanted him to write it, so they thought if they cast him, he would rewrite it for them. And he was like, "Oh, okay. no, you.
0: <laughs> that's a different job. Not how that works, I get, buddy. I get, I get a different check for that. Um, but yeah." Uh so it's kind of wild that this movie is even uh good at all.
1: Uh well so I would I will counterpoint I will counterpoint your Cameron argument that like maybe it was more of a mental health day for Cameron. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that like I know like for me sometimes my mental health day is like I don't I wanna lay in bed for a while and then like maybe go to the couch and do something there and then like have like a, a not out in the world day and like if someone drags me out in the world I will like charge my juice and like get into it eventually. But like, that's not what I wanted to do the other day.
0: Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I, I, I think that what happens on this day is better for Cameron, including the car stuff, than it would be. Including the car stuff. Yeah. And I, we will get there. I,
1: I, (laughs) <laughs> like i'm not trying to disprove your point i've truly like obviously i just yeah. want to provide counterpoints because yeah i think it's fine i'm not dynamic. i'm not offended yeah i'm so fascinated to see where you're gonna go with the car the car is we'll the, get there no the... don't spoil it now okay <laughs> but
0: i'm fascinated you're built you're okay <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a case here i'm building mm-hmm. the, the first level so I, I i i get what you're saying i do but i also think that there's a wide gap between what you're describing which is like i'm taking a day off because i can't I'm I'm at the end of my rope and I got to just recharge my batteries a little and then the person drags you out to like lunch versus this is like a day you'd talk about for the rest of your lives. That we we cut school and then we went to this incredible museum and then we 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 went to a ball game and then we we went to the the stock exchange There's for some hours reason, in and this then, day than there should be. I feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah And then my my friend got in in this parade float and like you would talk about this it, for the rest well, of your yeah, life. Yeah, so. because but
1: ultimately the story you end up telling sounds like okay, grandpa. Sure. Well, yeah, but you but know it's meme real. Of like the person.
0: <laughs> okay, i sure, sure, Grandma. But you, but like you know, it's real, and that's all that matters. So anyway, we get introduced to uh, Edward Rooney, our our foil in this movie, and uh, Obligatory played by Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. Statement: <laughs> Jeffrey that Jeffrey. He's a bad dude who he's a monster. Uh, yeah, uh, hard to say anything, but that it was uh, pretty gross what he did. Glad that he seems to have gotten some help and uh, he's starting to work again. So he he must. Yeah, he he's been in a few things in the last five years, including the Deadwood movie. Now, I don't know if he was an original Deadwood cast member. And then that was like he was in Deadwood
1: at some point. I don't know if he was original, but he was in Deadwood at some point. Okay,
0: so he's in the Deadwood movie as well. well. Anyway. This movie we has Jeffrey nothing. Jones
1: and Ben Stein in it two yes. two unsavory <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fellows so. right well and
0: also and also Matthew Broderick killed someone <laughs> yes I'm well, laughing that's... as I say that but I'm just it's the absurdity of it's like the least icky of the people <laughs> to me feels like the guy who Chook killed two lives person. yes um but he is on the phone Colin Ferris's mama who's like oh no Do he's high very sad Deans he's He's the I don't dean think of he's... students. That's what it says on his desk. Oh, uh, okay. I always got that that meant vice principal in other school languages. So like, I
1: think that this movie would have benefited from a superintendent cameo from someone where it's yeah. like because if you if you if you distill this character, it is a a principal of a high school so focused on catching one student that he leaves school to hunt down that student and then breaks and enters into that student's home to catch the student in the act of truancy
0: all right buckle up because i got this this is
1: a big part of the argument so so go ahead and finish so like i think it would be funny if there was like a moment like the stinger at the end instead of being the school bus thing was like him getting back to the office and edie mcclurg's like oh, Mr. Rooney, the superintendent's in your office. And he's like, <laughs> where have you been for the last six hours of the day? And he's like, Ferris Bueller. And he's like, Ferris Bueller has been in the hospital. Like, or like he has only and he's like,
0: one student?
2: What about all the rest of them who are here?
0: All right, so here's the thing with Ed Rooney. Imagine me, like, cracking my knuckles and getting into it here. Let me see. There we go. That's a good one. Ferris has had such a profound, optimistic uplift effect on the school that Rooney, who is a guy, kind of guy who is only happy when the students under him are miserable, hates his rotten guts. And this is a very, very much like
1: oh, Ferris no, I is the- I, don't,
0: I don't. I don't. I'm not. I was not dissing that
1: concept of the character. I was just saying, like, when you distill it to its purest form, it is a. Oh yeah, no, very funny. for yeah, one yeah. student, which like yeah. is banana pants,
0: right? But it it is because Ferris Ferris. It's hard to say Ferris's Ferris's unrelenting optimism is so antithetical to Rooney's life and and point of view that he cannot stand this kid getting one over on him in any way. And so that's like it's that's what drives him to do the ludicrous thing you're talking about. Like, it's completely bonkers that one of the principles would be also has a weird weird color to it when you later learn what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's a grosser reading of it than I think is. I know, but it's just it's a weird, like ironic thing. So anyway, he's telling Mama that he's been absent nine times, and there goes Ferris hacking the computer and turning it down. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny. John Hughes just computers are magic is sort of his big thing for a couple years there because you got War Games this, and then Weird Science. I don't think maybe I got maybe it's just this and Weird Science. Yeah, because there's no computers in, in babysitting. Right, right, right. So um, I just always wondered, like, did John Hughes? You're right, John Hughes, not at all involved on in, on war games. So I, don't, I think I just dad got just flipped out his newspaper and went he didn't direct war games. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's like I I genuinely wonder if it's that John Hughes had just gotten his first computer and was like, well, this thing's kind of crazy. I have no idea what John Hughes sounds like. That was I think, almost I, Frank Oz. I think it's I think John Hughes is, is more like a. Uh, yeah, I just got in my first, uh, home computer and I was typing scripts on it.
1: I also c- could not, like, if you put a gun to my head and made me describe John Hughes to a police sketch artist, I would be dead. He looks like a Republican from 1988. Huh. That's not what I, I was picturing like a Jim Henson type.
0: No, you got glasses, like, uh, almost disheveled, but, but like hmm. kind of boring. Uh, he only ever did one commentary track. It was for this movie. It was on the first DVD release of this, and then never again. They've never re-released it. So somebody found it, ripped it off the original DVD, and it's out there and you can track if you Google it, you can listen to it. I listened to some chunks, I didn't listen to the whole thing. But it's just him talking into a microphone about this movie, and he clearly loves this movie. Like in a way that you hope that all creators feel about the art they it's make. It's definitely his favorite piece. Yeah, for
1: sure. I, I just am a weirdo, and I'm like, yeah, but what about adventures and babysitting?
0: <laughs> what about that <laughs> old chestnut
1: that no one really I talks like a, about?
0: I like that one a lot well, too. No, but I, if I you're mean, talking most... about like,
1: what's your favorite John Hughes movie? That doesn't—that's oh, sure. not
0: even on the Family Feud board, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, no, you're right. There's yeah. well, he, it's the problem is he only hit home runs for like an eight-year period. That's pretty ridiculous.
1: And, and I I feel like to the general public, adventures in babysitting is a modest triple.
0: Right. I mean you're talking about a guy who's writing output between 1983 and 1990 was National Am- Well, Mr. Mom, which we don't love but a lot of people do. Vacation, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club. European vacation, weird science, pretty in pink, Ferris Bueller, some kind of wonderful, planes, trains, and automobiles. She's having a baby. The great outdoors. Uncle Buck. Christmas vacation and Home Alone. What's she's having a baby? That's um, it's uh, but, but, but it's a rom com. It's Kevin Bacon. The actress is Elizabeth McGovern. But I I don't I've never that actually name seen sounds it. Sounds familiar, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's just bonkers. And then in 92, he's still pumping him out. He's got Beethoven, the the dog movie. He wrote Beethoven? Mm-hmm. And Dennis the Menace and Home Alone 2. I think I watched Dennis the Menace as a kid. And then you go down a cliff and you got like, you know, problems where it's suddenly he's doing uh, baby's day out and then it's just all over from there, basically. <laughs> but yeah, no, he he also wrote 101 Dalmatians and Flubber. The live action Dalmatians? I Yeah, I think so. That is a weird. So, a friend,
1: my friends, and I watched that uh, like a, I don't know, a couple of years ago when I was down in Florida, and we were like, oh, just we'll throw throw something on while we're eating our lunch," and we p- picked Hundred One Dalmatians because we're like, "It's it's you know, the original movie is pretty simple." Oh boy, is Glenn Close doing everything in that movie?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, she's wild in that. She awakens something in some people. I <laughs> assure you. Oh yes. So this is the this is the beginning of my thesis here. So. Buckle in. Go ahead. Go to the chalkboard. I don't know. We don't know who initiates the call, or maybe we do know who initiates the call. But Ferris calls, is on the wait, the payphone.
1: Oh, the payphone. I I don't think we know who initiates. All right.
0: So Ferris is on the payphone. There's a payphone at school. Ferris is on the other end at home. The the kids are on talking at school. I would imagine he called the payphone. Yeah, maybe because he does it. He does end the first part of the conversation by going, "Give me somebody else." Uh-huh. But. I'm sure you have known people who are the quote-unquote mayor of the thing, right? Yeah. Like people use that term. To, you know, that's the mayor of the bar or whatever. Ferris is the mayor of the high school. Everybody knows who he is. Ferris is the guy that you go to when you have a problem and Ferris helps you fix your problem. But there is no part of any of the transact of these things that feel transactional to me, which I think is the key to saying Ferris Bueller isn't an asshole because if Ferris Bueller was an asshole, Ferris Bueller would be doing these things in order to rack up some imaginary points that would later benefit him. But the only thing that Ferris seems to want to get out of these interactions is helping other people not follow rules. He thinks are arbitrary and stupid. So he's talking to these two guys and he's like, they're talking about some test. And then another guy who's at the edge of the payphone is like, oh, man, he was going to help me get out of summer school. He's like, I hope he's OK. I really don't want to go to summer school. There's not like a, I paid him or I got him a date with my sister or whatever. I'd be fair. A girlfriend, but whatever. There's no part of it that seems like anything but just pure altruism. Like he just likes to help people. He especially likes to help people if it means he can get one over on Rooney, who's a dick. And he thinks that high school is a waste of most people's time. You know, or, or, or wastes, <laughs> high school, at least I will say, wastes a lot of time, which is true of also work in that I think high school is the best preparation for the real world that people don't really realize of just like you can do a lot of thumb twiddling and and some bursts of working, which is, is basically how mm-hmm. it is. But to me, Ferris is so intent on improving other people's lives it's just the opposite of an asshole and i i, I think that ferris is an asshole is an is a common reading of this movie i think a lot of people feel the way you do but i just i just completely disagree and i think the movie. i mean i
1: didn't think about that perspective of the like summer school kid and all that i think if there were more of that peppered throughout because i don't think he the test
0: thing i think oh was there's just- more Oh, there's more. We're coming to it as we go, but there's more. I assure you. the The
1: test thing was just that there was a test that day because he talks about that in the beginning. I have to go to school. Right, there's right. a test today.
0: Yeah, the, he is talking to that first jockey kid about something, like so, sort of helping him with something, and then the other guys, and then. The other guy comes in with summer school, and then the third person comes up, and he he goes, oh, give me to somebody else, and they just hand it to a random woman, and they're like, do you know who Ferris Bueller is? And she's like, oh, I definitely know who Ferris Bueller is. And she hops on the phone and is like, hey, Ferris, how are you feeling? Like, she also knows exactly who this is. She's concerned about his well-being, whatever. There's like eight people whose well-being you were concerned about in high school, maybe, right?
1: Well, I think that's the other thing, is that like a lot of people picture themselves as the ferris and i'm like you're not in no universe are you the (laughs) ferris like i know you now as an adult there's no way you were the (laughs) ferris like i was like if if you're anybody you are maybe the girl whose friend saw whose friend's sister's brother's cousin saw ferris pass out at 31 flavors last night maybe (laughs)
0: but like you're not (laughs) ferris you're not cameron you're not sloan so the difference is, and I we talk about this a bunch, like I think there is a very valid reading where most of Hogwarts probably thinks Harry Potter is an asshole. Oh right? my God. Like the movie is from his, the whole narrative, of the movie, the books are from his perspective, but there's like 500 other kids at school. The difference is- 500 white when, kids. <laughs> well, that's the same as this high school. <laughs> um, it's almost like you should be more diverse when you write about The places. first time you write things. <laughs> but I will say like- we see opposite evidence in this movie that the people in this high school not only do they love Ferris, they're genuinely worried about him. The rumor about Ferris being sick spreads like wildfire, and that's because everybody likes this kid. There's no and and uh, your 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 favorite person, Edie McClurg. Later, she she rattles it off, right? She's mm-hmm. like the sluts, the jocks, the sportos, the motorheads. They all think he's a righteous dude. It's like righteous dude. He. This person can't exist, right? Like it
1: just—it's impossible. No, just, and I it's think impossible. maybe that's—it's—it is a to go back to the Heather's conversation. It's a different kind of heightened world where, like, yeah, that's—I don't know. It, maybe it just doesn't resonate as strongly with me as an adult. I, I, yeah. I like I said, I still like this movie. I don't want people to think that I like hate Ferris Bueller.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not arguing it. It's like, oh, you monster, you hate my favorite movie, but or not my favorite movie, but you know the one I picked for this. But I, I just, I do think like. I, I was having that imagined argument while watching it and then it was funny to come onto the podcast and you're like, oh, this is actually what I think. I'm like, oh, great. I've been prepared to have this debate with you. It's like Lincoln Douglas up in here. Let me tap my note cards. <laughs> but yeah, I think that like this is one of the key – and it's not a big scene and it's one to easy, easily gloss past because everybody laughs at Ferris using the barf noises on his keyboard and like – Which bleh, apparently
1: bleh. was like – that's like an $8,000 synthesizer in the 80s. Yes. So like yes. no car but uh, – <laughs> But you can have a small down payment on a car. (laughs) I mean, that computer probably costs five grand, too. It's also weird that, like, later in the movie, Jeannie, who I love, Jeannie is like a stand-in for queer people in this movie. Angry, bitter at the way the, like, the handsome white dude just, like, skips along without a
0: care. Okay, but you're not acknowledging the fact that at the end, Jeannie realizes that her brother is right and she is wrong.
1: And but she at one point says, like, he got stuck with a computer where I got the car. And I always imagined, like, Jeannie would. It seemed to me Jeannie would like a computer. That's <laughs> like a thing she
0: would enjoy. Yeah. Jeannie does seem like a smart kid. Ferris is much like the two of us in that we sort of were smart enough to just get by without <laughs> trying very hard. And you were smart. School. Skated on by. You were,
1: you were perceived as a very, wy- very bright early on. So that you could then skate <laughs> as everything else rose up, and you just kind of glided until you you hit your wall. You hit where it met again, and it was like, "Oh,
0: well." <laughs> the other thing too that I think gets gets thrown around is, and I think is a valid criticism to some level, but it's like if you have a choice between two relatively equal qualified people, you're always going to pick the better hang. And so I have always strove to be the better hang. And that goes back to, like, high school. Like, I would make jokes in class. Like, I wouldn't be disruptive and shitty, but, like, I would joke about things, or I would, whatever. This, like, all through my whole life, I've been the same sort of jestery doofus that I am on this podcast. Like, I don't take a lot of things very seriously, unless, you know, it's, you you can do those things, of course. Yeah. And, like, being liked by people makes... Like, if someone likes you, they're more likely to do things to your benefit. And I have always just attempted to be, have people like me because it's just generally better if things go to your benefit, you know? You get the better grade for participation yeah. in class or whatever it is. So, Ferris just maximizes that, I think, as, like, the ultimate charming guy. That that's mm-hmm. That's what he does. So, he finally convinces... I can't believe we're only... <laughs> Like 14 minutes into this movie, he finally convinces Cameron to come over. And I I do like, I do like Cameron's freak out
1: in his little, little, like ding, dingy little car. Yeah. I almost wish that it didn't. So we were on the dashboard looking at Cameron and then Hmm. we cut to the outside when he gets out of the car and then cut back in to the empty car. And then we see him come back around. I almost wish we didn't cut away. Like I wish we we stayed stayed in the car on the dashboard and as he like slammed the door and walked away, we stayed in this empty car for like a 30 seconds to a minute. And then the gravel crunches, he
0: comes back. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that's a great shot for sure. Or you see him like walk by the back of the car and Mm -hmm. then you hear the gravel. Yeah. I I would enjoy that as well. So he finally comes over and they're like, Oh, we got to get Sloan out of school. And this starts the first bit of business where we see the cleverness of Ferris, that he only seems to use to get, like, minor improvements to the life of the people immediately around it's him. It's sort of like that old
1: uh, question you used to ask on Adventure Pants, which was, what is the the superpower you would want that does not change your life in a dramatic way, but kind right. of helps you out a
0: little bit? That's mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. Ferris's general MO. Yeah, he Ferris is the guy who can call the coin flip. Like he, he he That is his superpower. He's able mm-hmm. to call the coin flip. And so he used it to his advantage. Here, we have this bit where Cameron is calling Principal Rooney, pretending to be Sloane's father, who's just lost his mother to get her out of school. Is and the audience Ro- supposed to think, because we don't see Cameron for, for a while, is the audience supposed to
1: think that this is Sloane's dad and that Sloane's mo- grandmother did actually die?
0: The voice seems too obviously a voice to me for that. Like I even I, it's hard to separate because I know the answer to to the question. Mm-hmm. But the voice is a little goofy, right, a little to bit, me. Yeah. They're like, uh, no, listen to me, Mister Rudy. listen to me, Buster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, you did a really good one. I'll
1: kick your uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's almost lifestyles, the rich
0: and the famous. Almost. Yeah, it is Robin Leachy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to come down there and give you a piece of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you're better at it than me. But yes, that's the general vicinity <laughs> of it. Uh, anyway, Rooney is like, oh, this is Ferris Bueller. I got this little bastard. And he starts coming after the, you know, oh, he want you to roll our own dead bones down here. I, I Obviously, Jeffrey Jones, not a great guy. Really fantastic performance Like, to here, truly all-time performance, yeah. awful person. <laughs> yeah. So the bit where Edie McClurg is, fr- she is... I laughed out loud watching her at several points in the movie. I wish there was just like a a few
1: tablespoons more of her in this movie. Yes, you you definitely could use. I don't need her to be like the Beetlejuice, the musical version of Beetlejuice where she's everywhere. But a few more tablespoons couldn't hurt.
0: Yeah, there's a world in which she somehow is picking up Ed at Ferris Bueller's house instead of the bus. That's very funny. I would love Ed. And like, like a, it's her way home, and she's <laughs> like, Oh, Ed, you need a ride? <laughs> in like a minivan, I feel like. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, apparently she did her own hair. Because she <laughs> really? That's she, genius. She envisioned this like 60s poof, but the hair people were all like, We can do Sloan's blowout. And they were like, "I don't know how to do this," and she was like, "I got it," and did it herself. And set so rules. John Hughes was saw
0: it with. How many pencils can you fit in that thing? And so they put <laughs> that in the movie. Yeah, she's she's wonderful. I, I unfortunately I saw that she's not doing too well uh, health wise. She um, has early onset dementia, which is just awful. But she is truly tremendous in this movie. Really good. She's great in everything I see her in. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this bit with like Ferris calls and she's like frankly in like Ferris Bueller's online too. And Ferris, you know, he clicks the button over and Ferris doesn't even wait for him to make a sound. He's just like, up, oh, Mr. Rudy, uh, you're my sister send my assignments. That'd be great. Thanks. Bye. Have a good day. Click. And mm-hmm. then he has to go, you know, lie down and i think this is the the good illustration of of rooney is like he's this big sheriff but he's really all hat and no cattle as soon as his ch- authority is challenged he's a little muling quim he's a little mm-hmm. weenie
1: i almost wish and again like this is very rare for me to say because normally everything I is like cut it down you don't need to show everything i almost yeah. wish that we had like seen ferris standing next to cameron as he's talking realize what rooney is doing and then be oh. like hold on and then go yeah. to the other room to like make his call to like show more activeness i guess right that he's like this wasn't a great this like because it almost feels like in the movie that like ferris's plan was i'll call three minutes after you call yes so, yes like, it seems like very the joker where it's like hang on what is, how long is your plan?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I w- I would love that. I think that would be a an improvement to see him do it in real time to go like, oh, and then run out to like run to Jeannie's room and use her second line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Totally agree. I want
1: Sloane's jacket. Oh, it is a really nice jacket. I want Sloane's. It's a fringe. It's a white leather fringe
0: number. It's great. Yeah, no, for sure. She gets absolutely nothing to do in this movie, but. The Appar- only thing they give her to do is look nice, and so she does a great so job. Apparently, Molly Ringwald really wanted to be
1: in this movie, and yeah. he said it's not big enough for you. Which, like, if I were the actress playing Sloane, obviously I know that it's a very small role. But I would be yeah. like, "How
0: fuck you, dude?" <laughs> I, 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 you're totally right, but also at that point, hasn't he, he's worked with Molly Ringwald like three times. At that point, he's like, "You're you're a star kid. This is not for you." <laughs> I did it. For I that. also, I also think. If you put too big of a star in Sloane's part, it's distracting.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like,
0: if you, if you put Molly Ringwald there, it's a Molly Ringwald movie. Yeah, because at this point, Broderick is mostly theater. He's, and he's acted. I mean, War Games had come out and really done a lot for him. Yeah, but at this point, Molly Ringwald was, like, the queen. Oh, megastar, megastar. Yeah, 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 So, yeah, so like,
1: yeah, he may sure. have had War Games, but she's like, that's cute. Your little computer movie? Which one
0: of yeah. my movies do you want to talk <laughs> right. about? Right, yeah. War Games is eighty three, so he had he had definitely been established at this point. But you're totally right. I love that Cameron's got uh, belt and suspenders on. (laughs) It's it's never brought up later in the movie, but under his Gordy Howe jersey, both are uh, both both belt or (laughs) pants. Just a costuming note in general. You don't need both. It drives well. You don't need (laughs) you don't need both ever,
1: not for a movie or real life. But that's what I mean. Like it drives me nuts in a costuming situation when like I see a character wearing belts and, a sus- and suspenders because it's old timey. And I was like, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah.
0: Suspenders do the job that the belt does. I will say the first pair of suspenders I got, I was like, Oh, do they, are they supposed to match the belt? And then I was like, Oh wait, you don't wear both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Fun little tidbit that I learned that I didn't know previously, the Gordy Howe Jersey that Cameron wears throughout the whole movie was actually given to the movie by gordie howe himself they like asked and he was like yeah here uh, and i sent it and he, he had a quote it was like it was awesome to see that big number nine on the big screen that was awesome i thought it was great it wasn't even autographed though it was just no no it's not it, it like he he provided it basically like as permission know, just, he sent it it's to just them.
1: weird that like him they asked him and not like i don't know the, the team like hey team could you give us a, a, yeah, a yeah red
0: wings jersey I think somebody knew Gordy and it was just like, yeah, here, I'll send it to you.
1: I also love Edie McClurg being Rooney for a few seconds because he's not on the phone.
2: Oh, (laughs) Oh, oh,
1: (laughs) waving him over. Like, come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So here we get the car, the uh, Ferrari, California, the not this car. But the model Ferrari that they show in this movie sold for real. $12 million in 2008. Wow. No, it is a real car. There was a time it's not a real when Ferrari. They... No. So it's confusing. The, the, I, this is a thing that happened on the early days of the Internet. And I distinctly remember like knowing this fact and then learning the actual fact. And so it's, it's convoluted. The model of car that they say in the movie is real. It's a Ferrari GT California and the, the year and all that is correct. But for the movie, they were like, "You absolutely under no circumstances are going to do anything with that car except l- shoot it while it's stationary. <laughs> like, you are not going to do anything." So they went and got a specific kit car that is from a smaller. It's called like a Moderna or a Medina Spider. Med- I think it's Medina. I think Moderna is the vaccine. <laughs> I probably that's on not my brain. Moderna. Yeah, it's. I think it's a Medina Spider, and so it looked a lot like this Ferrari. So they bought this car. It looked a lot like the Ferrari and then they made it work for the movie. They like made a couple of movie cars.
1: Got it. And then they just so called I, it the real thing. Yes. So the, the name so, is real, but the car we're looking at is not that name.
0: The car you're looking at at in some of the shots is actually that Ferrari, oh. but mostly is not. I think they had it for still like, I think in in the, one in the garage is the real Ferrari. And then it never again is the real Ferrari. I yeah. think that's right. That would make sense. I didn't, I did not go super in the weeds on this. I don't, it's not something that personally interests me. So if if you're the car person out there who's listening and is infuriated, just just tell us the right thing and I'll retweet you. Does Ferris have a license? Is that established or does he just want we, a car? We don't know that he has a license, but I think that he does. Okay. Also,
1: like they could have just picked up Sloan in that car and then taken Cameron's car into the city.
0: Yes, absolutely. That is not a nice guy move. That is a solid point in your favor of Ferris. That is th- but that's my big thing is that like... Why the fuck would Ferris give a shit if he
1: pisses off Cameron's dad? He doesn't have to live with it. So, like, yeah, I'm gonna steal your dad's car.
0: So, I I agree. I, I what you're saying is all true, but I think from Ferris's point of view, it's like I have a plan to fix it. The like run the car backwards thing. It's objectively stupid. It's not a bicycle. That's not how this works. Yeah, it's not a pedometer. But he's like, oh, we'll just fix it later. I don't one, have to worry about it. Is
1: the the Matilda thing where they put the they like. Cause in Matilda, they like put a gadget like onto
0: the, is that a real thing? I think it used to be a real thing. I think the, the, the Matilda bit of the slimy used car guy is Mm -hmm. a real thing. Cause we talked about this in the used cars episode. I think obviously the the reverse accelerator thing, that's
1: fake, but I imagine that there had to have been a way for you to accomplish that.
0: Or you just like took the gauge off and rolled the numbers back by hand. Like that's a thing that people would do. So we talked about this a little bit in the used cars episode, but like we are too young for that to be anything but a pop culture ephemera from a previous Uh generation because they regulated that kind of stuff out of like that doesn't really I'm sure it happens. But it's like very rare that you get that kind of used car slimy person because like it's just regulated out like Mm -hmm. you get caught and then you're done. Again, I'm sure someone's going to be like, well, what about this? I'm sure it happens. But it just used to be the default was (laughs) you're getting ripped off on a used car. And now it is not the default anymore.
1: Handsome ass Kurt Russell's giving you a car. Right, exactly. Which like he could sell me anything.
0: Oh, for sure. I've been watching a lot of Kurt Russell movies, not from the 80s. To prepare yourself for Russell, (laughs) have I have so much Kurt Russell talk that's coming next month you guys don't even know. I'm going to have so many recommendations in the mailbag. It's a great time to sign up for Patreon because I've been plowing through these weird 90s and other eras of Kurt Russell. And I have found, no joke, some absolute gems. (laughs) Was it Kurt Russell
1: and Patrick Swayze that I confused for Tango and Cash? I believe so, yes. Uh, I do. I will. I, I know we said Sloane doesn't do much in this movie because she doesn't. But I do love the, the delivery because uh, Rooney walks her out and like gives this like little monologue about like what death means and how he lost his grandmother. And yeah. she turns to him and this like full deadpan just says, "I thank you for your warmth and compassion, Mister <laughs> Rooney." And yeah. it's like the perfect delivery of this like, "Go away now." Yes
0: yeah Mia Sarah is excellent in the movie it's just that she doesn't get a lot to do it's so, like Cameron gets way more to do than she does she's yeah. definitely the third she's also third only guy.
1: 18 when they filmed this which is crazy
0: yeah yeah this car and this movie in general really makes you want to own a convertible they're like zipping down the highway into the city yeah I did like that <laughs> beat, <laughs> beat city is playing not a cool move on Ferris I agree but. with you I agree with you it's just teenager thinking of like oh it's not a problem i'll deal with it later and like obviously it's a problem later but i don't have a rebuttal there but i will have more rebuttals later
1: uh, and then Jeannie, we get the long tracking shot of Jeannie down the hallway of like white privilege man <laughs> 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 which is basically the crux of her character theory It's like ferris gets to do whatever
0: he wants and that's annoying yeah. to the rest of us Sure. Because I think Jeannie studies really hard and gets good grades, straight A's, maybe. You, you know, I think she's a really good student. And I think Ferris skates by and does almost as well as her without trying. And hate, she hates that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but I, this is another thing. The guy's walking down the hallway with the Pepsi can, collecting the, <laughs> the things, and, and she slaps it out of his hand. But you notice what he says to her is, What if you need a favor from Ferris Bueller someday? Not. Like it's a favor from Ferris Bueller. It's it's mm-hmm. now it's not a transactional thing. Ferris gives freely his his wisdom and his ideas. I and mean, his... doesn't the mafia also give freely? <laughs> I think the mafia wink, wink gives freely, as the audience couldn't see at home. But Ferris, man, there's no wink. I, we don't know. We only see a
1: two-hour stretch of this of this life. We don't know what Ferris <laughs> is doing. I think I know. We don't know whose kneecaps Ferris is is breaking. <laughs> Whose fingers got a
0: little squished
1: <laughs> by Ferris Bueller.
0: This next part is one of my few quibbles with the, with the movie. And it's, they call, Rooney calls Sloane's house. And it's this very sad message. It's to your point before of like, when did she, like, did Sloane did know they, she was skipping? They chain this? Right, right. Because if Sloane knew she was skipping, why did she go at all? Mm-hmm. It's like way more complicated. So this well, also like,
1: I, I, I wanted I wanted the like not igno- like a line of like both of Sloan's grandparents died before she was born. Yes. Because she hears Sloan like the nurse comes in and says, Sloan, I need to speak with you and instantly. She's like putting her coat on. She's like,
0: well, this is Ferris coming to get me. Yeah, exactly. Was, like, yes. Well, why do you know that? <laughs> right. And wh- like also like why did you I what I needed was like I had a test first period and then Ferris picked me up. That, There's, yes. That's, and so, like, that's how the whole plot got set in motion. You're exactly right. Like, my grandparents are long, long dead. Like, they're long mm. dead. I never knew them. A little bit there tidies this up a little bit for me. It's not a big quibble. It's a great movie. But I, it's a, that's a, I think that's a valid criticism. Just a little wrinkle. Yeah. And I do love the whole bit in the garage where... Ferris tips the guy and he's like, of course, they'll take great care of your car. And they're walking down the thing. And then you <laughs> see the car peel out immediately for the joy yeah. ride. Like, I, I love the, the them walking away as it happens. So Mama Bueller checks in. And this is another weird one. It's like she came all the way. I guess she's a realtor. She's probably driving all around town. Anyway, yeah. she comes all the way home to check on him and she sees him sleeping. And that's like she doesn't do like a check for a fever. It like, seems like I, I always wonder because
2: as
1: a kid. You have this, like, idea in your head that your parents... Like, even whilst, like, if, like, sleeping, if I was up later than I should be, I was like, well, what if mom and dad come in to check on me? And I... Yeah. I've never asked them, cause I've always, but I've always been a little curious, like, did you ever in your life, like, just open the door on me sleeping just to be like, yep, still a child.
0: <laughs> I don't think that... Didn't turn old would... <laughs> overnight. <laughs> they didn't beat it in big. <laughs> it didn't... Didn't big. <laughs> I think that probably stops before you start schooling but I think that is a thing like a new parent does like checks in on the baby or whatever yeah but yeah and, but in fairness like he is ill like I could see her checking in like oh do you need anything or whatever mm-hmm. if you know if I was sick you know mom would check in on me I don't think that's crazy but it's like she creaks the door open and he's got his whole elaborate Rube Goldberg snoring machine and she's like yeah oh he's asleep click yeah because well, uh, I wonder like uh, w- mom let us know uh
1: if if we were sick and you came in to check on us and f- assumed we were sleeping, would you come over and like check the
0: forehead? Would you? Yeah, come in the yeah, room? it's a good question. That, that's a, we could ask moms in general. There are some who listen. Presumably, is that I do, know. are you are you checking a forehead on but a sleeping our mom kid? is listening? We know <laughs> that <laughs> yes. one. No, I know. I'm just saying we could just ask it more broadly. There's a, the weird wedding conversation. So that's, that's a thing that I think just boils down to Ferris is trying to have the craziest, wildest, most fun day possible. And in that moment, he's like, that would be crazy. Like he wants it to, he, he's trying to live the embodiment of a crazy story that you tell forever. And it's like, how'd you get married? Oh, you won't believe it. We were <laughs> skipping school. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's, that's
0: fair. I still think it's ridiculous. I, I, I do think it's plat- patently ridiculous that he it wants kind of bogs do... down the movie a
1: bit because th- it comes out of left field and doesn't feel like, uh, like if, because they're in the stock market having this conversation. It's not like right, they're walking right. down the Vegas Strip and they see like Chapel Love or right, something. Right, Like, so
0: it just comes out of nowhere and kind of slows the movie for a second to be like, what are we talking about? The, the movie taps on the brakes twice. It's here, and then the second one is with Cameron Catatonic at the pool. Yeah. And the second one, I think, goes on a little too long. It's a 100-minute movie. We don't need the river sequence. We can cut right. to the pool. Right, right. But the river sequence is where he talks about like how he's actually in love with Sloan. I think you get a lot of Cameron info there that's good. I just think like that that break taps a little too long for me. It's actually really interesting. One of the things I learned from... Uh, Doing research and skimming the commentary is the original order of the movie, the parade came before the art museum, museum visit. Which, which is a mistake. A huge mistake. And it obviously they fixed it, but I can't even conceive of a world where you're like, oh yeah, thinking about an epic day that I was having and I got into a parade that afterward, I was like, you know what I want to do is quietly stare at some art. Like that just speaks to someone who's never performed ever. Cause when you get that jolt of emotion, it's hard to come down yeah. from it. That's why rock stars yeah. have drug problems. <laughs> it, it, I mean, that's what it is. Like it's I, like, I, I have done like improv and I've done a couple of live podcasts with you. That obviously the stakes are way lower. And like, sometimes you come off that and you're like vibrating and it's like, that was incredible. Like, Oh my God, how cool is that? <laughs> And it's like this guy was on a parade float with ten thousand people dancing with him. He would that you'd be vibrating for a whole day. Yeah. So like, okay, when
1: I was in high school, it was like seven thirty to two thirty. Yeah. Is that are we assuming that's about what the eighties was, or was the eighties more like eight thirty to three thirty?
0: I honestly have no idea. I feel like we've had the exact discussion before, I'm, and I, I think, think we have, I think as I'm I think it. broadly, I think broadly eight to three, you're safe. I don't know what the specifics are depending on where you go around the country. Because like they say, they have till six
1: o'clock, which feels arbitrary.
0: Because like, well, Jeannie, that's what time the the but, dad specifically says he'll be home at six. But Jeannie will be home long before six. That's true, I suppose.
1: And like, could, wouldn't Jeannie just be like, "Hey, I'm at home." ferris is nowhere to be found
0: yeah that's a good point he doesn't account Um, for genie although maybe genie is in like a club i don't know maybe Um, she's in glee club (laughs) (laughs) i could see genie being a singer no you you can see genie being a dancer well obviously but i didn't want to get too on the nose about it she'd have this whole parable about her friend having an abortion well so like and i don't know what do you think it takes like half
1: 45 minutes to get into the city and back like an I, think a, like I think they're I I think
0: they're
1: I think they're a little bit closer than that. I think it's like a half hour okay. each way. Okay. It's just I'm trying
0: to like map out the day of like what
2: time It's impossible. Did it's they impossible. leave
1: <laughs> it's like Yeah.
0: So they, if they were- picked up Sloan at 9, the ball game probably starts at 1, the parade is probably at 3, and then they go home. Yeah. That's my that's my rough. I mean, yeah, but also they went to the stock market, which
1: as we learned in trading places there's like the it's only only like that in the very beginning of the day right
0: so you are outside of the depth of my stock knowledge my assumption was that they were trading like that for most of the day
1: oh i always kind of pictured that like the first half hour to an hour was that like rush
0: it's probably a big rush at the beginning of the day, a big rush at the end of the day. But I think trading is happening pretty much constantly. And then the other thing to factor in here is, at the time, there were different exchanges in different cities that traded oh, different commodities. Time, fr- time zones too. Yeah, so it's possible that Chicago was. I I do not know the answer. I'm just I'm just guessing vaguely. I mean, I Plus, was you literally to in, a in commercial
1: like, for about stocks, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really pay attention, so couldn't tell you anything about it.
0: But like, you also have to factor in like they may have been trading with. China Japan or mm-hmm. whatever yeah exactly so I I do not know the answer to your question my assumption has always been the trading was pretty quick okay, but the order is valid. they they do Sears Tower they do stock Exchange then they do the French restaurant which is presumably around lunchtime so I if you're if you're leaving around nine from picking up Sloan you get the Sears Tower done you do I the also stock think exchange it's, funny. it's it would be like if in the philadelphia
1: version they're like went to the liberty bell and then they went to the art museum and did the rocky steps and it's like i wouldn't i wouldn't want to do that on my day like that seems like stuff you've already covered on a school field trip
0: yeah yeah i I don't like a little bit yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean the sears tower they do a cool thing at the sears tower and they probably only get to do it because it's empty because it's the middle of a work day So maybe that's the, maybe that's the pool. The, the stock market has always been weird to me of like, why would they give one crap? But I love the French restaurant bit obviously is enduring because it's amazing, but it's from, it's it's, yeah. the, the, this scene gives you what you asked for earlier, which is Ferris thinking on his feet to go, I'll call the police myself. And you pick it up and the camera zooms in on the, the series of phone numbers. This place has like five numbers and him dialing to get a different exchange. But I love, not only does he do the great bit where he like he's like, you know, I'll yell rat, go find another phone so that Sloan can do like, oh, he's devastatingly handsome. He's wearing a sweater vest and a t-shirt and, he's, you know, Abe Froman. But then he has it such that the guy's like oh the other line is active let me check that and it's (laughs) cameron doing his one voice going uh, cameron's one voice (laughs) hey man it's like his adult voice right like you have
1: your adults i love i also i didn't mention this earlier i love the face he makes because i do i do voices too and sometimes it's like i can't like my boyfriend will see me do them and be like oh you really make weird faces it's like when you do your makeup (laughs) and you do that like you do a weird face. To do you put your mascara on? Yeah. When I do my Mad Hatter voice, it's a very weird face, and his he's got this like almost ghost face killer, almost the scream by Edvar Munch. That's just like it's a it's
0: a lot of jaw. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a slack jaw pit bull. Yeah. Yeah. I just love. This is a perfect example of you know a lot of the rules are completely arbitrary. And like, yes, it does suck that they took this person's reservation, but also. If This restaurant's going to let him in. Right. And also the implication is that that person doesn't show up for lunch because they eat their lunch and leave. And if the real person had shown up, they would have just thrown them out of the
1: restaurant. Was there a a line that I missed about Ferris having like a lot of cash from birthdays or something? No, it doesn't explain how they afforded this restaurant at all. Okay. Because Ferris is just like flipping through a a fat stack like it's nothing. And
0: I was like did we, did I miss something? He does mention that he has, uh, he will have a summer job later. And I, I do think that he, some of the things he does is probably financially lucrative in some way or another, whether it's like he sells his baseball cards or whatever. I, I I think Ferris always has money and you're kind of like, where's he have it? And they're like, is it drugs? And they're like, no, it's not, but it's weird. Right. Is it a, is it a can't buy me love thing? (laughs) I don't think so, but
1: I guess anything is. Well, I didn't mean. I didn't mean that to ask you. It was more like the adults in town are like,
0: "Is it a right, right, right?" But this guy is like a total schnook, and he takes his job way too seriously. And he's being a dick for the only reason is that like he's judged them by what they're wearing, and he thinks they suck. Uh, to be fair, I'd be he's a little correct. upset if I was. Uh, he is he is right to tell a person they can't come to eat at the fancy three star restaurant in a hockey jersey. I think that's not an unreasonable thing. But, but, no, but I mean, no, he's correct in assuming that these aren't. This isn't Abe Froman. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Because it's not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I just like getting one over on this guy rules like he's a doofus and they get one over on him and there's no like i said there's no there's no penalty to anyone the restaurant sells food the the if the other guy showed up they certainly would find a table for him like there's no loser in this thing it's much like we've talked about pranks like a prank's only funny if like they're just there can't be a loser and ferris doesn't have a loser here that's true there's apparently a cut scene where they like can't decipher the menu and they end up like Ferris later is like, we ate pancreas. There's apparently a bit where they're like, they don't know that. And they're like, <laughs>
2: what?
0: I'm glad they cut it. I don't think this, yeah. this movie doesn't need that. No, it doesn't. Uh, we get the close call with dad in the cab, the first of two close calls with Ferris's dad. Mm-hmm. And they steal his cab, which I always really enjoyed.
1: Yeah. that That is a fun moment where they like run. And as dad turns, they like jump back.
0: <laughs> yes um so we cut to rooney who's driving into the city and i noticed for the first time ever the restaurant behind him as he walks into the pizza parlor on the other side of the street is an indian restaurant and i was like holy cow that seems like 15 years too early for the united states that would have been like the first indian restaurant i I, it has to be in the first 10 i don't know i mean presumably it's it's a big city there's a buffer
1: in the Bob's Burgers Halloween episode, it was a, it was set in the past a little bit, and she was like, we tried this yeah. new thing called Thai food.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. And I also love, this is a perfect example of what we, I talked about a little bit earlier with Rooney, where it's like, Rooney's envisioning a, a perfect day for a teenager is like, I cut school and I went and ate some pizza, and like it's so small, and mm-hmm. Ferris is... Ferris is a big ideas guy and Rooney is not, and he can't even conceive of what Ferris might do because he is such a small, his his scope is small, his ro- world is small, he just has no ambition or bigness to him. I also feel like my first thought would be like, oh, he's probably just at home, because that's what I would do. Right.
1: <laughs> well, he does eventually go to Ferris's home. Yeah, that's, but like, that's, that's step, step two, I guess. My first, my first
0: assumption is like, they're just at home, especially Ferris's got a pool. Yes. I always assumed that this was maybe not a pizza restaurant in the Chicago, but like in whatever, I guess it's Shermer in, in here as well. In the suburb? In downtown? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's sure. I think all the Hughes movies, it's Shermer, Illinois. I don't know that to be 100% certain it's Shermer here.
1: But I I think during Adventures in Babysitting, we determined that it was like a Downingtown to. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's about right. But anyway, the pizza parlor could be not in Chicago proper is all I was getting at. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like he's like, oh, they cut school to eat some pepperoni pizza. It's like, no, they cut school to eat pancreas. (laughs) So we got Wrigley Field and this nice bit of business well, we where got the Star Paris Wars is on the screen. First.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The quick Star Wars Flash.
0: It's a good it's a good cue. Mm-hmm. A needle drop as they say. I guess that's not a needle drop because it's not a I don't know if that counts as a needle drop, but whatever. <laughs> it's a needle drop if it's like a pop song, but I don't know if it's a needle drop if it's the first cue or Yeah, I'm not sure if that counts. I'm not sure technically. I'll have to check with the needle drop association of America. <laughs> the NDA? Yeah, N-D-A-A. <laughs> N-D-A-A. Yeah. Uh, only slightly less corrupt than the N-C-A-A. Wrigley Field and the bit of business where Rooney, like, almost catches him on the TV but doesn't is really mm-hmm. nice. I kind of wanted more of that, like, at the parade. Yeah. Because there's the moment where his dad, like,
1: looks out the window. But, like, I wanted, like, on TV at mom's office or something. Yeah
0: yeah i i i think you're totally right i also think that you know what it parade could isn't televised genie's at home and
1: sees it and calls mom to be like turn on the tv that would have been a great bit of business good. of like and the, no. and the mom turn it on now and she's like yeah and the, in a minute yeah and it's like i'm sure it just looked like ferris <laughs> and mom keeps looking at the tv when it switches to someone
0: else and she's like no no no, right. keep
1: watching it'll go back and she's like i'm busy yeah, and she yeah. looks away
0: no, I love that. That would be that would be fantastic. So Rooney goes to Ferris's house while he's at the museum, breaks and enters or tries right. to. Yeah, it's 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 he does he does. He gets in through the doggy door eventually. Yeah. It is buck
1: wild. Yeah. I also think like apparently the the music for the art museum sequence took some fina- like this is not the first version of it. Yeah. But like even now I think it's a weird to me, the art museum is another pump the brakes moment that I'm like,
0: mm, we could yeah. this could get tripped
1: out a little bit.
0: I, I like a couple of moments in it. And I think it's important for Cameron because as much as this is Ferris Bueller's movie, I mean, his name's right there in the title and everything. The character that has the most growth in this movie is Cameron and Cameron. Well, I is, would argue Ferris doesn't have an arc. No, he doesn't. No, he definitely doesn't. I, I, Cameron and Jeannie are both affected more by Ferris—one directly and one indirectly. Waiting for Ferris,
1: yeah. Waiting it's for Genie and Cameron, and Ferris doesn't show up.
0: <laughs> but you know, Cameron is with Ferris directly, and I think the there is kind of a beautifulness to Cameron kind of losing himself at this painting, where like it's a bunch of faceless. A nobody's. Sunday on the
1: Grand shot by Georges Seurat, which became yes. the musical "Sunday in the Park with George." Stay tuned, maybe. <laughs> they did a live recording
0: good god uh anyway i think that and this is like the fart sniffiest take i've ever had so bear with me but cameron looking on this photo by sarah where you can't make out the faces they're all kind of like faceless people is a moment that's sort of catalytic for him of wanting to be a person who isn't a faceless background player And, and he spends his whole life as sort of a faceless background player. And then this, this day with Ferris is sort of a wake up call for him to be less of a faceless background player. I'm stretching here. No, I mean, it's not, it's
1: not the most crazy. I mean, like we've said it before, some people think the whole movie is in Cameron's head. So that's not the craziest reading. I guess to me, like the, the painting itself isn't particularly like, I guess art is subjective, but it doesn't it's not particularly evocative of that feeling to me. And like the character is just a little, that he, they push into is just like a little boy in the painting. It's not like a, a boy alone. It's a boy holding his mother's hand. So like it doesn't fully fit. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there could have been a different painting. I'm never going to complain about George Seurat being in film, but like there, I feel like there's a more apt painting that like shows yeah family sure. or a crumbling with something that like hits.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I, yeah, and also maybe it's a guy who doesn't have the familial love he wants, zoning in on the character that seems in the painting that seems to have the familial love that he craves, you know? Like yeah. that could also be a part of it. And like um, fair, we didn't I fair. I do think that the music with this painting gives you the introspective feeling that they're going for, even though with I agree that painting, it's a weird yes. music cue. Yeah. Um but like I don't we don't I don't need to
1: watch Ferris and Sloan make out in a dark room. An inexplicably
0: dark room in this. art I actually have been in art museums where they have stuff like that because it's a stained glass piece that they're in front of, so it's probably a dark room with a special light for that piece to make it look right. You're right. But like, I'm like, we didn't need
1: that moment. Like, yeah, this, this, this could have been the like the Cameron moment where it's just like a like ADR line on the outside, like, let's take in all this art, Cameron. And then, like, he and Sloan are, like, doing whatever, and then we see Cameron in the painting moment. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, I also think that you could just do a slight change of, like, they're all holding hands with that class of children that's kind of, like, fun and silly, and then mm-hmm. Sloan and Ferris break off one way, and Cameron breaks off the other, and Cameron ends up having this, like, really nice moment by himself that he probably wouldn't have had that day. yeah. You um, could also read it like without my deep farts, sniffy and of just like, this is a dude who probably doesn't get a lot of time to stare deeply at a Surat painting. Yeah. And that's just like a rad thing. He got to do that day is like really drink in a painting and stand there for 10 minutes in front of it. It's a cool Although, thing. To if do he's sometimes. from a
1: rich family, it feels like art wouldn't be that far off.
0: They Ferris calls his house like a museum, but I always envisioned it like a museum in the way that a modernist house often is where it's like all yeah. the furniture is of a piece and all of like everything is part of an exhibit that is the house. Like the the house in the neighbor's house in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, exactly. Or American Psycho or whatever mm-hmm. other example there is out there. Uh did you like notice It's a really uncomfortable couch.
1: <laughs> did you notice that uh what's on the marquee on the and the parade route? The movie theater Uh, marquee no i don't think i did uh teen wolf nice and then above that godzilla nice
0: (laughs) it's a it's a it's a project uh little foreshadow there yeah uh this
1: parade is apparently the von steuben or von steuben parade a von steuben day parade in chicago which commemorates who is the man who is widely
0: accepted to be the homo who saved america (laughs) Oh, I, did, I, I clicked on it, and I saw that it was, like, German and something else, so and then I just didn't he, read more.
1: Baron von Steuben. Steuben. I don't know. Whatever. I'm going to say Steuben.
0: I feel like you should know this man's name <laughs> based on what you just said.
1: I can't remember the pronunciation, uh, but because I know it can go both ways in German. Uh, came to Valley Forge in King of Prussia. Okay. Like, rode up on a sled with his, like, young, what are they, like, secretary- Oh But right, everyone, right. like wink, wink, it's his secretary yeah. who follows him around and his like fleet of, of puppies and was like, you're all terrible at war. I'm going to fix that. But he didn't speak English, so he had to write all his stuff in German and then someone translated it from German to English so that it could oh. be given to the soldiers. And he like basically revolutionized the Revolutionary War and we would not have won
0: Things I'm gonna have to look this guy up, see if there's a good, yeah. uh, you know,
2: and
1: book it's, or something. it's that it's that classic like, she was a she, she was a spinster lady who lived with her female best friend for <laughs> the rest of time, and they yes. took no husbands because they were just gals being pals, <laughs> like. He had a lot of young men that he would tutor and, quote, develop intense emotional bonds with and ended up bequeathing them things in his will. And, like, (laughs) how many things have to be there before straight people are like,
0: yeah, that was two dudes fucking... (laughs) Uh, before we do the parade, I do really love the moment in the cab where they have the other near miss with Ferris's dad, the second of three, where Sloan ends up like making the kissy faces. But I love the little moment where Ferris and Cameron are like frantically rubbing their rabbits the, foot back and forth. It's a nice little it, bit. It's the only part where Ferris comes down to earth a little bit. It's like, oh, shit, 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 shit. Like I might. Mm-hmm. This one might be too much even for me. Uh, yeah, I just I, that little bit is is great, I think. So obviously we got to talk about the parade. We'd probably do a whole podcast the on the Kenny Ortega sequence. spectacle. <laughs> yeah. Um Broderick hurt his knee filming the final sequence. And oh, so really? they, they had this elaborate choreo and he was hurt and couldn't really do it. And so they were like, Ah, uh, you know what? You shouldn't have Choreo anyway. And so they did like a couple takes with him doing you the know modified. Kenny choreo. Ortega
1: was so mad. Like he yeah. could just whip his ponytail.
2: <laughs>
0: I think it makes total sense that there's like, there's that kind of silly moment that everybody clowns on where like the whole troop of people come up across the stairs and they're like in sync. But mm-hmm. I do think that could just be like a dance troupe that happened to be there. And they're like, Oh, we can do this song. Like, this will be fun. Yeah. I, like I, I can buy it in the fiction, but it would be silly if all of the people in the crowd were doing choreo. Cause it's like, that's not, there's just a crowd of people. It's not, it's not so, the uh, end of a prom sequence <laughs> in a nineties high school movie. <laughs> like it's just a parade. So,
1: Anything that you see of a crowd shot where it's not like distinct, unified choreography yeah. was literally just extras doing their thing,
0: and yeah. they didn't realize they were being filmed at first. <laughs> well, well, there was like a in the commentary he talks about two things one the part where the judges are confused he says that they just stuck their float at the end of the parade and didn't tell the judging panel like they had permission to film and do this yeah. stuff but the judges weren't aware that the 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 film float was in and so there was genuine confusion of like what is this which which seems crazy <laughs> to me to be true but i don't know that's what he says I, I take him as word but he said it basically was like him on a bullhorn being like all right uh We're we're gonna skip the choreo, so just just dance, everybody. Just dance when the music's on.
1: Yeah, uh, (laughs) I mean, I believe that those judges wouldn't know. Like, if it's anything like a pride parade, there's some slapdash shit going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it, it just it's like how hard if they knew that they were filming the movie, like how would it not also relay the fact that there'd be a float in the parade? It just seems crazy. Yeah. He also said, while you're thinking of your point, he also said he really, really hated Shane. Like, he, the song was really popular when he was young, and it also oh, really? was a song... He took German in high school, and they listened to the song in his class and stuff, and he just, like, hated it. And so he he picked it because he hated it so much that it was, like, the corniest song he could imagine.
1: Hmm. Appar- so the, it was a lot of extras. They basically just, like, put an ad in the paper or on the radio that, like hey, come be an extra in a John Hughes movie. And way more people showed up than they were expecting. I buy that. It's very crowded. And Matthew Broderick was very nervous about it, which is weird because he's like a Broadway dude. Like he's used to
0: performing live in front of crowds. I think he might have been nervous like for his safety. Like that's a borderline riot you're in the middle of. Well, also, I mean, just for
1: parade logistics standpoint, at the end, the whole there's no the crowd is just around like on the street surrounding the float like that's not that's not a parade anymore
0: no that's a mob scene like that's that i'm sure that was a little frightening but yeah he lip syncs to the beat he lip syncs donka shane it's kind of like cute and silly and we do get one of my favorite lines in the whole movie actually which is a, a smaller one of the many very quotable but Cameron and Sloan kind of get led away from the parade because they rush towards it while he's singing Danka Shane. And they kind of have this discussion of like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And she's like, neither do I. And they're like, what do you think Ferris is going to do? And right before Twist and Shout kicks in, uh, Cameron turns and he says uh, he's going to be a fry cook on Venus, which is just like. I love the idea of like, of course Ferris Bueller will be one of the people they send to Venus, but also he's going to do like a menial job there because he's not going to want to do something difficult.
1: I think for the longest time, I just assumed Venus was like a, a restaurant, a chain restaurant. Oh, a Midwest oh, oh. chain restaurant. Yeah. Like how in and yeah, out is out there on the West coast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I'll be a fry cook on Venus. And then it's like that great crunchy guitar Uh, drum riff that opens twist and shout and we immediately whip over to ferris who's just like i'm having the greatest time of my whole life right now and i think that discussion was
1: was what kind of like struck for me like oh this is this movie doesn't read the same when you're an adult because the like the listless the sort of rudderless experience is very different at 28 29. I guess
0: the other the other thing I would say and, and I I didn't want to push back on you too hard at the beginning is like I don't get rudderless from this at all. Like Ferris is going to college, Cameron's going to college, Sloane is The only thing Ferris seems unsure about is his relationship with Sloane and how that'll progress when but, she But I mean like the discussion she's not. The discussion Cameron and Sloane have is like I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'll
1: go to college, sure. but I don't know what for. I don't have any interests. Right. So like yeah, that I just is where the rudderlessness comes in.
0: Yeah, I just I feel like rudderlessness implies a bigger like nobody knows what the fuck they like, there's like eighteen people that knew what they wanted to do when they were eighteen years old. It's like a very small yeah. number. I I feel I I mean I'm being a little exaggerated for eighteen, but like I think that's a relatively small percentage of people that feel like they know what they want to do before they go off to college. So I don't I don't know that I would I think rudderless feels big to me for that moment. Rudderless to me implies a little bit of despair. Whereas it's just like maybe it's aimless versus rudderless. I don't. I'm being okay, a little quibbly here, but it's like I get what I get the point you're saying. But it seems if you're feeling that way when you're 28, it does feel a little depressive. If you're feeling that way when you're 18. I don't think it feels depressive at all. That's but that's what I that's what I'm saying.
1: Right, right. I'm like just saying it I've hits, the yeah. movie hits differently when you're 18 because it's like I can be whatever I want. Blah, blah, blah. like it right. feels it feels more hopeful than like when you're 29 right. watching this. Like um, I don't know Look, what I want to do there are
0: people there are people who decide to go back to school when they're in their late 70s and they just do it for them like that's true if you're not sure what you want to do you'll figure something out eventually and just keep keep plowing forward is what i suggest or you get a theater degree and then you end up doing admin and phone phone service work right but like i got a journalism degree i don't do journalism really you like it's just you figure it out along the way uh we get rooney versus genie here in the house which is Mm -hmm. like just bonkers that he's broken into the house. Yes, and the fact that she calls the cops and ends up getting arrested, brought down to the station over it, is just
1: inconceivable. I yeah, it's crazy. Also, there was only they only filmed one kick.
0: Yes, I you can tell it's looped because it's mm-hmm. it's identical. But she does a good snap kick. Uh, a little dirty dancing uh, preview, perhaps. So here's my
1: in this scene, we see that there's a staircase. Over Jeannie's
0: shoulder that goes up. They have a double staircase. But no one ever uses the back staircase. Right. Which is there's not a lot of business in the in the Bueller house, really.
1: But like Jeannie runs to the foyer to run upstairs. And I was like, there was a staircase right behind you. And then later when, when Ferris comes in the house and she says, like, go right upstairs, he goes up the front staircase.
0: Maybe the back staircase only goes to like their parents' bedroom or something. Maybe, but it just seemed weird to me that like there is clearly a back staircase. Yeah, no, I, I know the exactly. Two what moments mean. in the movie where it seems applicable. No one uses right. it. Uh, Rooney gets towed, and I love the part where he like runs and tries to open his passenger side door, and then he leaves <laughs> the keys in it, and he's like, "Wait, my keys!" And it's like you could you could still catch him there, bud. Like it's the car is pulling away from you very slowly. It's
1: a runaway train situation. You could have jumped yeah. on that train.
0: Exactly. Um, so here's uh, Cameron loses it. And then Jeannie is back at the house. And well, then we I see love- the
1: attendant. You see the attendants drive the car back into the garage only to hand it right to them.
0: Yes. Yes. It's like still smoking from the tires, mm-hmm. practically. And a- another one that I've always found deeply confusing in this is Jeannie answers the door and it's like someone sent him a prostitute <laughs> with Louis Anderson <laughs> with Louis Anderson dressed as a milkman for some reason. We're like he's weird a-, a combo. He's a, he's an underage boy.
1: <laughs> like he is, he is so not I old never, enough. I wasn't sure if it was just supposed to be like, like remember how in pop culture in like the eighties and nineties, like erotic bakeries were a thing. Like, <laughs> okay. Is, sure. Is,
0: she says, I is, came to help restore your pluck because I'm the nurse that likes to door slam. But
1: I'm saying maybe it's just like. I'm a I'm a slutty singing telegram. Like no, it's not she is there sex to thing. do
0: she is there to do
1: stuff. But then stuff. why is she flanked by
0: Louis Anderson and two <laughs> other dudes with bouquets? I, like, I don't I know. I almost wonder if it's concurrent delivery situation.
1: <laughs> I just got I was kind of assumed that it was just like some weird niche thing of like
0: busty singing telegram or maybe Louis Anderson is her bodyguard. To make sure things don't get out of, out of control. Okay, fair. He's fair. got some heft to him. Plus, he's carrying that milk jug. He'd, screw, he'd mess you up with that milk jug. <laughs> you wouldn't want to get hit with that.
1: Cameron freaks out at the odometer. And this is what we're talking about. Like, I think the river scene can be cut. And I think the information about Cameron could have been peppered throughout.
0: Yeah. You either have to cut the pool or the other thing. And I would be fine with either. I, I But I do like the, the part here where Ferris is like... I see the end of the road of this friendship. And that's the other part of it that I didn't touch on earlier because I didn't want to spoil this. But Ferris is talking about, like, we have a couple months left of school, then we're going to get jobs, then we're both going to go off to college and we'll see each other occasionally. And it's but like this is like I see this is going to fizzle out. And part of the reason he's so pushy to make sure Cameron comes with them on this is it does feel like he wants this to be a big last hurrah or like the two of them have a big adventure. And they have this moment to always look back on together, even if they their friendship drifts apart. They don't they still don't really stay in touch. They will always have this special day together.
1: That's fair. But
0: like to me,
1: the the idea that like you have one friend from high school throughout your life isn't shocking or like weird to me. I don't
0: like I mean, I kind of have
1: one. I, I mean, I have three or four. I don't have a lot, but like three or four friends that I consistent, like I can, I text every, you know, we text every few months, just have a little conversation about what's going on. But like, I don't know. It's not like if they're best friends, it doesn't seem weird. It seems weird for him to be like, well, we're never going to talk again. I'm like, well,
0: aren't you best friends? He doesn't say we'll never talk again. He says it'll never be like this again, which is true. Like it's always, that is always true. That is inevitable. Yeah. I mean, be
1: fair. Not, it won't be like this again, but I don't know. The finality of that statement always seemed
0: weird to me as I was like, you're, you are friends though. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's a reasonable assumption that you're going to drift. And it's also the thing that I talked about before of like, this is a 40 year old person, a person in their forties putting the words in the mouth of a 17 year old. Like it's going to not line up perfectly. But I, 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 in this case, I think it's like good wisdom. And like, it's something that I struggled with when I was in high school as a senior. And it was like, you know, your, those people feel like the most important people in the world to you and that they will always be that. And like dad had a pretty frank conversation with me where it was like, I have one person that I've sp- speak to in high school. And like your mom might have a few more than me, but it's not a lot more than me. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you just kind of have to have that reality check. And I, I think that's what it is with Ferris is like, I'm sure that we'll be Christmas card friends forever, but I, it'll never be like this. And that's what he's like, really honing in on it's like it's it'll never be like this again and you have to make this feel special while you can yeah that's fair so we go to the pool which i think is at ferris's house it's never 100 percent explained
1: it's, it's fair
0: well no it can't be ferris's house because then he has to run home so it must be sloan has a pool no because he 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 they have to because afterwards they go to oh they take the car back
1: yeah but what ferris wouldn't need to be there for that I that
0: part has always felt the pool well no because it is ferris's pool because he's there in the beginning Right. Well, Ferris is at a pool in the beginning, but I don't know if it's this pool. I think it's the same pool.
1: I would. Right. Don't, but I'm s- just. It seems weird to introduce two pools.
0: Well, it just seems it also seems weird to me because like there's a, like. I, uh, yeah, I guess the sequence must be that's. I don't know how they get. You lose the thread here because it's like we're at the pool, then we're at Cameron's garage, then we're at Sloan's house. We don't know how we got to Sloan's house. And then Ferris runs home from Sloan's house. So I don't know. It says Ferris walks her home on Wikipedia. So. Okay. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, we get this kind of uncomfortable moment where Cameron is like, oh, I just pretended to be catatonic and like Ferris saved me. And then it's like, oh, also I watched Sloan get naked in front of me, which is kind of weird. I so I I enjoy
1: the Ferris Bueller "You're My Hero" moment because it feels like a little retribution of like yeah you 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 put me through hell a little bit in the beginning of today yes yes I return the favor it's weird when you stop and think too long that like he was catatonic quote 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 for I don't know half hour forty five minutes I don't yeah time time was an illusion yeah um but like the idea that he was like the way for me to get back at ferris is to jump in the pool and wait for him to pull me out i like that moment because you see ferris sweat which only happens twice in this movie
0: right 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 no i i totally agree with that i just i'm like did like sloan why did you change him why camera? why would That's you change it at the, outside at the pool sloan right it's a weird choice anyway she doesn't seem bothered by it she laughs it off she's like well i'm, I'm not ashamed but it was just like kind of the whole concept is kind of strange yeah um cut to the police station with Jeannie and charlie sheen and i think this should be the scene that they cut out and show to people in acting class when they're like here you know you've heard that dumb thing of, like there's no small parts only small actors here's charlie sheen in f- 6 minutes tops mm-hmm. four whatever it is a weekend role <laughs> super memorable comes in with a like a strong character choice uses that character choice to inform the whole character what you described before of this insane tangled web of his family and the Bueller's notwithstanding, which like I, yeah. I'm fine. Put that away. Uh, but just kills it here. Like absolutely crushes it here. It, it's super, super, super good. Well, he stayed
1: awake for like two, like a uh, two full days. to yeah. get This look, he like yeah. wanted that like deep sunken red eye look. Right. Which, like, yeah. No, he looks although, like, I guess, out. knowing Charlie Sheen, like maybe he didn't do that. Maybe he just <laughs> yeah. did some cocaine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Allegedly. It's possible. Uh, it's possible. He did. Do, he does tiger blood. Uh, I believe that's right. Also, I didn't, I didn't mention this before, but I want to hit it real quick before, because we're on the way out the door here. Uh, when there's the scene with Sloane and Ferris's dad, are we to believe that F- F- Ferris's parents have not yet met Sloane? Because you'd think that he would recognize her when she's making kissy faces at him. Oh, maybe not. I I feel like she should have been
1: like wearing his Kangol hat, like yes, with her hair tucked up in it, and right? His sunglasses.
0: Right. Yeah. So, uh, Charlie Sheen drops some sage wisdom. And this is another point I think in the favor of Ferris Puehler not an asshole because at at the point where he, like, he's talking with Jeannie and he's giving her some good advice. And like, she, he's like, I, you know, you gotta let loose a little bit. You're so uptight. And her thing is like complaining about Ferris. He eventually gets to like, I think there's a guy that could really help you. And to me, what he's saying is like a person whose life philosophy, they a person who shares their philosophy freely with those who are interested in receiving it and who you should talk to. And mm. she's like, if you say Ferris Bueller, you lose a testicle. He's like, Oh, so you know him. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's to me, part of the, the thing I talked about before of like, I think Ferris is this like very giving kind of person who wants to help other people. And, and you know, he, he, he when wants everybody to like, kneecaps. <laughs> So we're trying to run the car miles back. It's not working. Cameron goes berserk and he kicks the car and I don't love this engages. I, I don't either. But what I'll say to you here is it doesn't take a whole second before Ferris is like, I'm taking the heat on this. There's no hesitation. It's not the kind of offer you hope someone is t- talking you out of. He, before the car has completely exited the building, practically, Ferris is like, I'm taking the heat on this. And it's it's not like, you know, it's not like a negotiation. It's like, let me take this. I'm taking this for you. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, your dad already hates me. It doesn't matter. And it's like, very real jail time is a possibility here. Like, yeah. totally, totally possible. This is like totally possible in this jail time. But he, like an asshole would not speak up or they would speak up after enough time has passed that they know they're not going to get taken up on it. He doesn't wait. It doesn't wait a whole second before he jumps in to help his friend here. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. It just, to me, the growth that
1: Cameron gets, I don't feel is the arc I want for that character. Like destroying his dad's car, his beloved prized car does not feel like the end of that arc. No, like you don't need that to happen to be like, I'm going to be my own person. Right. Because like, if you're going totally to college soon, you. you're going to be away from your parents soon. And if you, if you right. don't, if you don't want to talk to your family, you don't have to like, if, right. if you have shitty family, you can just, you can go do this. Right.
0: Yeah. But the, the, I totally agree with you. Like there's other ways to get through this. It's a movie. Like you need a big moment. It needs to be big. Like it's crazy to drop a car out of this crazy uh, Frank Lloyd Wright looking house like I, that's all it is here but they do have this moment that I think is really important where Ferris is like it was my idea I made us do this whatever and Cameron's like no I it is possible to stop the great Ferris Bueller and it like you said Ferris only sweats is it twice because so far in this movie it seems like well you said Ferris only sweats twice but Broderick's reaction to that line is to me like oh he's he's right like Broderick Broderick's face reaction to that line is that Cameron is saying the truth here that like, if I wanted to stand up to you, I would, I did this because I also wanted to do it.
2: Yeah. Like I,
0: I, know. I, I if, let you drive the, I let you be the engine of the desire, but I wanted to do it also.
1: I suppose. I don't
0: know. It just always feels a little like
1: fair. I, I guess like, I don't know in whatever weird, you know, rewrite version, like Ferris writes a note and leaves it in the mailbox. So that like Cameron doesn't know about it. Yeah, something that says like you, you don't deserve this, Cameron. Like you don't de- like Cameron doesn't deserve the hellfire that he's gonna get.
0: No, this. no. I mean Cameron probably got beat with a belt. Like, uh, like I have no doubt. Cameron in my probably mind. ended up in the river.
1: Like,
2: right.
0: <laughs> like he probably ended up in
1: duct tape yeah. sterilite tubs, tossed <laughs> into the Chicago River. Or I don't. Know, whatever river is in Chicago. Well, the, um, the, yeah like that's what happened to cameron and so to me i feel like something that says K- ferris realizing that like i don't know something that said Ferris. there's a difference between like i'm taking the blame for this and being like insistent that like under no circumstances can you handle what's about to happen i am going to do this
0: but cameron's speech is to say that i know that you don't think i can handle this but i can like that's know, the but- whole growth moment for the character is like the characters, can't.
1: okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I like, mean to I- me, it doesn't it doesn't feel like Like, the growth arc of the character doesn't feel like it's hit. Like for me personally, I don't feel like Cameron is ready, truly ready to deal with that. I don't. I-
0: okay. Your perception is probably valid, but the character is is believes that they're ready to stand in this spotlight. And so, like, as a friend, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Like, you've been there, right? You've had friends be ready to put themselves out there in a way that you don't think they're ready for, and you don't talk them out of it. That's bad friend stuff. I suppose. Like his friend is his friend is trying to like take the reins of his life in a way that he has never done before. And for Cam for Ferris to talk Cameron out of doing that would be really, really bad friend stuff. Even if it means Cameron ends up getting thrown in the river, which I think is probably likely like Car- Ferris is being a supportive friend by one offering to take the blame. And then two, when Cameron makes this big emotional speech of like, I've let this man push me around my whole life and treat me like shit. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And this is my big fuck you moment to the man that I realize I don't have, I-, I don't like my dad and I'm going to tell him to his face. And Cameron is like ready to make that leap, so Ferris, as a good friend, has to stand behind him and be like, "All right, but I'm here for you." I mean, I I I don't think you're wrong. That's fair. I don't think you're wrong, but I think a good friend in this moment like lets their friend take the reins when they try to, and so like, yes, you're right. Cameron isn't ready for this, but Ferris is being a good friend here. I think. Okay, that's a fair reading. I can I can get behind that. Okay, police station genie is smooching with charlie sheen which is a delight mama bueller's Mm -hmm. all all upset about it and then i love the police chief being like who is like one of two not white people in the whole movie bt dubs (laughs) uh is like uh we're all pulling for ferris make sure he knows the boys here behind him and and she's like what (laughs) what are you talking about well it was also in a newspaper earlier that his dad it was in a newspaper it's on the it's on the water tower and it's on the marquee at wrigley field as well yeah, it's a Ferris. Disney uh, parents—they're clueless. <laughs> they are, they are, but that's like part of their—they're loving and dumb instead of being mean and dumb. Which yeah, is it's usually it's, how it's, these what, That's go. what I
2: meant
1: earlier when I said it feels like a Disney movie for teenage for like right. older teenagers.
0: Right. So I lo- this is always this is a great action sequence here. Ferris yeah, like I have to sprinting give home. It's it's a fun fun bit like Jeannie trying to catch him in the car. She's getting the speeding ticket. He's running past. Well, his I dad. also like
1: Genie genie and mrs bueller like mrs bueller starts yelling at genie and genie's like i can't drive with you screaming at me and I, I, just <laughs> yes. had, I just had flashbacks <laughs> of like learning to drive with dad yeah
0: yes not uh not perhaps the, the best teacher
2: uh, behind <laughs> the
1: wheel great driver now though yeah yeah i am i was not No, i am a great driver is what i was saying. i didn't mean to yes. say that my father was not a good driver but like yes
0: overall i turned out a good, a good driver but I th- like this is another part that I think speaks to Ferris Feelers and asshole. is like Jeannie is trying to get him here, right? Like she's totally trying to pwn him. But in the end, when Ferris's goose is cooked, Jeannie bails him out because she's thinking about what Charlie Sheen said to her. And she's also thinking, like, you know, I think it would be better if I was a little more like Ferris. Just a little more like Ferris.
1: Well, I could I also saw, could potentially read it as like. If anyone's gonna bust Ferris, it's gonna be me not
0: yes, fucking, totally
1: not Jeffrey Jones over here.
0: <laughs> yeah, like she knows that Rooney sucks, you know it, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 true she, he stinks. She, I think she she truly also hates Rooney. <laughs> Yeah, well Rooney sucks. Like he you, yes. Rooney is a universally despised villain, which is probably why Ferris becomes a folk hero in the school because like Ferris is always getting one over on Rooney and not getting caught and people are mm-hmm. like this guy this guy fucking rules, man. He rules, dude. You left your wallet on the kitchen table or on the on the floor of the kitchen is great. Rooney like tucking tail mm-hmm. between his legs. Um and then this like you've caught your breath from the final chase sequence. And you think we're like over Ferris is rushing to the bedroom. And we have that one final moment where he has to hit the baseball against the stereo. It's like, that's mm-hmm. just a really good capper on it. It's, it's good writing. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the, the credit sequence with Rooney on the bus is a fun, like, I, I agree. I think yours with, uh, I think what we talked about earlier of like Edie. getting uh, Edie Edie McClurg back in here for a moment would be great. I would like that. Oh, yeah. why I, don't you <laughs> hop on in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She has to, like, but I do like McDonald's, a, a bag of McDonald's, or something. Yeah, yeah. Or like maybe do she want, has a convertible. Want a I want her to have like a cooler car, like she's secretly like she's got she's got, secretly she's really really got the, fun. Uh,
1: one of the other hundred Ferraris.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, maybe it's not a Ferrari on a on a school secretary salary, but hair wrapped in a scarf. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Toodaloo, Ed. Do you want a scarf, Ed?
0: And then the the very probably the first uh, first time. Well, the first time I was aware of it anyway, maybe there were other movies that did it. But the final after credit sequence where Ferris is in the towel. And he's like, what are you doing here? Go home. The movie's over. I always mm-hmm. I enjoyed that the first time I caught it on our tape. And I have always it's liked cute. it. I wouldn't be
1: mad if there was like after Ferris's Ferris's parents went away, like Genie was left in the doorway. Like, you know, you owe me one, right? Yeah. And then like shut the door on him. And then we could get his yeah. little look to the camera.
0: I think that's totally fine. I think that would be that would be totally, totally fine. Um, I will say I think this is the movie the least enjoyable to do a check in sequel. Like I'm desperately hoping it never happens because there is just no No. fun to be had. (laughs) This movie captures even Broderick has said he's like this captures a specific high school time period. He's like the only idea I've ever liked is The same thing is happening again, but we're both 70 and Ferris breaks Cameron out of his nursing home because Cameron checked himself in on like Cameron booked himself into a nursing home before he needed it (laughs) because he's like, I'm done. Life is over and I don't care anymore. And Ferris is like, no, Cameron, there's more to live. I I think that idea is funny. That, yeah, that's sort of like Morgan Freeman and Ro- yeah. Robert De Niro or something. Yeah, I was going to say it's like one of those Morgan Freeman like bucket list or one of those yeah. one of those movies. Is that is that vibe? But like, yeah, you did like this is a guy you can't check in on. I'm sure Ferris is happy and has a good life. I'm sure it's less epic than you would want it to be. Like, he's probably a car salesman or he probably like, I don't know what he what he ended up doing. I mean, but he, like, could, sales have, he, feels he could have charmed his him. way into Congress. Oh, for sure, he could be a corrupt congressman, no problem. But I just this is a character like I have no interest in revisiting, and they keep like doing cutesy little advertisements for it, like not the movie, but like ads will call back to this. There's one that came out like last year. I'm fine year. with that, honestly. Like, yeah.
1: If that that's if that satiates everyone's appetites for like yeah. remakes of stuff, fine. I will have a hundred commercials where. Yeah. Where Sigourney Weaver takes Tums so that a chestburster doesn't come out of her. Like, that's fine
0: with me. Yeah, the one that came out most recently was uh, Alan Ruck, who plays Cameron. These two kids are, like, doing the dialogue from Ferris Bueller in front of the Ferrari. And then you hear Alan Ruck's voice come over and it's like, hey, what are you two doing? And it's like a car door opener with a video (laughs) camera built into it that you can, like, monitor when there's motion. So he, like, he he gets tipped off and then it cuts to Like a ring doorbell? yeah basically and then he cuts to him at his desk like in overlooking the Chicago skyline and he's like "I already did that one and like that's the end of it and it's like alright that's fine but that's yeah cute. well I think there, w- I think there was a
1: commercial with the two parking garage attendants at one yes, point yes
0: I I I don't think it's them but I think I think it was one of those di- was it one of those direct TV where they like superimpose the face kind of thing maybe I think so uh, yeah all right Final thoughts slash Did I convince you that Ferris Bueller is not an asshole? Um, I think you brought some compelling arguments. I, I don't. I mean, I I don't know what that I'm going to think about this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really going to think long and hard about. You this. haven't been
0: thinking about this for the last two hours. Come on.
1: I I I, I am swayed slightly, but I I'm I'm okay. maybe not as firmly in my camp as I was. All right. I
0: will I'll say. take it. I'll take it. That's movement. That's progress.
1: Yeah. Any other thoughts about the movie?
0: It's, it's a good, it's a great, if you've
1: never seen it, who are you, um, watch it. But like, yeah, I I think, I definitely think it it hits different as an adult than it does as a teenager, but that's me.
0: Yeah. I I don't disagree with that, but I, I found myself really enjoying it and, and like genuinely laughing at a bunch of parts of it, which I guess speaks to just letting time lapse between seeing movies. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I was just so, I fell in love with this movie again and it was like, I didn't expect to do that. good. And I it would just—it was really quite lovely. So yeah, I—I—I've been in a good movie zone lately. I've been watching a lot of stuff that's really been pleasant and fun to me. And and this, I'm sure, was grease. The wheels were a little grease because I've been watching all sorts of just like hitting the pleasure center of my brain over and over again lately. <laughs> but yeah, I just—I couldn't believe how much I, I still loved this and still was so charmed by it. And I think the movie still totally works and 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 is like shockingly free of misogyny and homophobia and all of the Mm -hmm. other stuff that peppers even the John Hughes catalog. So it was just like, oh man, there's like almost nothing in this that isn't enjoyable except for the fact that some (laughs) of the people in it turned out to be not great people. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this movie indoors for a reason. It's, it's like pure joy in cinema form, I think. And, and high, high, high recommend from over here. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so I would be surprised to hear you say you hated it. But yeah, I knew I knew I always liked this more than you. So it was fun to have this little conversation. But uh, Ferris Bueller's not an asshole, as I've said. So uh, (laughs) go forth and spread the message. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, If you haven't done so yet, please review it. I've got one to read for you here as we wrap things up. This is a latest iTunes review. And this comes from MX Sandy 12. Via Apple podcasts. Uh, This is retro fun at its finest. Five stars. Thank you very much. MX Sandy. Love this podcast. The hosts are intelligent and charming and engaging about an epic era in cinema. That's very kind of you. They give you all the they give you all the details and insider info while still sounding like your best friends at the bar. You guys got a listener for life. That might be mix Sandy. Yep, could be. I'm an old, so.
1: That's okay.
0: <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's really, really kind. Thank you so Thank very you. much for, for uh, sending that in. If you want to hear your review read on the air, well, then open up your uh, favorite podcast player, write the review. And if it's not iTunes, send us a screenshot, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We read those on the air if you send them to us. Uh, don't forget to check us out, the 80scom at Dissect the 80s on Twitter, and Dissecting the 80s on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We will be back in two weeks with the start of, as we said at the top of the show, Russell Watching uh, another one of Kurt's that I haven't revisited in a long time. This would be fun for me to jump in on. We're doing Big Trouble in Little China. I'm very curious. Have you, You've never seen that one? I don't think so. This is like peak Russell Rules cool guy cinema. So I'm very it's curious to Snake see Plissken? how it lands for you. Is that no, that's, that's Snake Plissken is Metal Gear, but you're thinking, no, damn it, now you got me all mixed up. I'm sorry. Solid Snake is Metal Gear Solid, and that is a loose riff off of Snake Pliskin, who has escaped from New York. Uh, oh, and, which and that's Escape Kurt Russell too, right? That is Kurt Russell. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. This is a different Kurt Russell uh, as a big rig driver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I haven't rewatched it in a long, long time, but the first time I watched it, the only time I watched it, I was like, Maybe 10 years ago, and I was like, holy cow, this movie rules. And I bought it, Mm, so I I own it. So we'll see. But uh, go check out uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and we will see you in two weeks on March 8th. So until then, thank you so much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissect in the 80s is a chum sum of this production.